0: Evictions, liability, and profitability for apartment and rental property owners. Let's go to the bench.
1: Legal news, information, and interviews from Collins & Lacey, a leading South Carolina defense firm for construction, workers' comp, hospitality, retail, trucking, professional liability, mediation, government, and ethics matters. The views expressed by the guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect that of Collins & Lacey, its management, or employees. This is The Legal Bench.
0: And welcome to The Legal Bench. I'm Michael Burney, Director of Business Development at Collins & Lacey Law Firm in Columbia, South Carolina. What are some of the top issues facing property managers and owners as federal eviction protection may be about to sunset? Collins & Lacey attorney and shareholder Kelsey Brudvig hosts two guests today with Kelsey R., Donald Wood, the Executive Director of the South Carolina Apartment Association, which is the advocacy arm of the National Apartment Association for South Carolina. And Lynette Bland, a Senior Community Manager with Gray Star Management, which is a global leader in rental housing. She is currently serving as President of the Board of Directors for the South Carolina Apartment Association.
1: Well, thank you for being here, um, Donald and Lynette, and we appreciate your time. I want to start by talking about the pandemic and how what uh, management companies have faced over the course of about 15 months with regard to um, renters, particularly renters who have not had the ability to pay um, due to a loss of income, loss of job. Um, Lynette, can you talk a little bit about what specific... Um, issues uh, management companies have faced over the last 15 months, particularly with non-payment?
2: I think the issues that have been faced is um, we've had to make some concessions or some allowances where um, late fees have been waived, um, pushing the legislation uh, to get rental assistance has been a big push with uh, the State Apartment Association, with us being members of the National Apartment Association um, and really pushing our legislators to add rental assistance to um, the CARES Act has been one of the biggest things so that people can stay in their homes, because the goal has always been for people to stay in their homes um, and finding a way to make that happen, but also mediating um, the rent. Um, So that's been one of the biggest things that we've we've done. We've waived late fees. We've set up payment arrangements um, with uh, our residents. And that has been something that has all management companies have done throughout or I should say most management companies have done throughout uh, the, the state of South Carolina.
1: And Donald, with regard to the Apartment Association of South Carolina, how has that association been advocating for these management companies, both on the local, state, and federal level, with regard to the management company's ability um, to be able to collect the rent while at the same time not, um, uh, you know, still allowing renters to reside at, at, their, at their home.
3: Well, you know, again, we, like Lynette said, rental assistance plays a big part in that. And um, originally, South Carolina got about $25 million in the first CARES Act um, to assist with rental assistance, but that was gone within, what, seven days? Um, they now have $272 million for 39 specific counties that they're trying to divvy up. And then there were obviously like Richland, you, you, I'm sorry, Richland, Spartanburg, Greenville, Charleston, Berkeley, Horry all got their own individual pile of money that they are able to divvy out. That process has not necessarily been the best, but it's it's a work in progress. We will have some hiccups that we're trying to overcome. Um, but at the end of the day, like Lynette said, we have told our management companies or asked our management companies to be flexible, and they have been. You know, I guess for the first probably year, um, there were no late payments. I think most of us are moving back toward p- applying late payments, but still trying to work with the residents, trying to do the payment plans. It's all about communication. If the resident communicates and works out everything, if they don't communicate, then we're stuck. And somebody, some people have had places where they haven't communicated in since last March, but you can't because of the moratorium evict them, um, and then that's unfortunate. Because at the end of the day, we want to make sure that someone has a place to stay, but it's give and take. They've got to be able to communicate and to try to make some form of payment toward their uh, the past due.
1: And this question is directed to both of you. How has the what has the association heard from management companies with regard to the difference in the federal moratorium, which is protecting properties that fall under the CARES Act, low income? Um, uh, low-income housing, housing um, under the Violence Against Women's Act, um, as opposed to the state moratorium in South Carolina, which lifted a lot of the restrictions for eviction. Um, but there are still folks out there that, even if they're not, apart, they're not living in a housing community that falls under the CARES Act, may not be able to afford their, their rent at this time. What are you hearing from management companies about how they're handling those two different avenues?
2: Well, I think that's where the rental assistant plays the biggest role, because once you do accept rental assistance, then it will allow, um, you have to waive the late fee. So once you begin that process, and a lot of the assistance that's out there is up to, I think one is up to $7,500 or six months worth of rent, and then uh, the one for the state is up to 12 months. Uh, worth of rent. So there are avenues out there that they can still use, and they can still use that rental assistance, even though uh, the property may not fall under the CARES Act.
3: So we've created a list of those entities that people can go to for assistance, whether it be utilities or rent, and make sure that our residents are educated as to what the process is, and helping them with that process if necessary.
1: And that was going to be my next question, is how are the management companies um, educating the residents regarding these types of assistance that may be out there available to them? Sure.
3: Uh, Community newsletters, um, e-blasts, text, calls, emails. We try all avenues to make sure that the residents are aware of it. In terms of the association, we've got social media posts that we've been posting throughout our social media platforms. We've sent out e-blast to our management companies reminding them of how the process works and giving them tips on how to share the information with their clients. Um, We're doing everything we can to make sure that the client's are aware that there is help for them. Um, And then obviously assisting them when we can. And even up to
2: um, helping them complete uh, the application yeah, you come online. Come to our
3: office; we'll walk you through the process. Mm-hmm.
2: So it's it's being the it's being offered, um, and as long as there's communication, even down to um, I, I know of a uh, community that they've actually knocked on the door. Um, of someone. So uh, the communication part is key, like Donald said, um, letting them know and saying, hey, there is an avenue. And so that has been uh, one of the biggest things that we've we've tried to do as an association.
1: For those residents who are not communicating with the management company, either trying to set up uh, payment plans or asking for assistance, and they don't fall under one of the properties under the CARES Act, Uh, How how are management companies handling those situations while keeping in the back of their mind kind of a humanity standpoint of this person may not have income at this time? um, And while we've reached out to them, they're not communicating back. Are management companies moving forward with evictions or have you all heard from the management companies part of the association that um, are still trying to work with the residents?
3: Well, you know, it it really depends on the, the county because depending on the magisterial districts, some magistrates, even though the property does not necessarily fall under the CARES Act, are not necessarily moving those cases forward. So that presents a different conundrum that we have to deal with. Um, So depending on where you are in the state, even though your property is not covered by the CARES Act, you still probably may not be able to do evictions.
1: And if you could provide any piece of advice to residents of uh, of these properties, I would assume your your advice is communicate with the property management company, communicate with the GM or any type of manager on the property about your situation.
3: Yeah, hiding from your situation is not helping your helping the process at some point, the courts are going to open back up and we are going to have to proceed um, with the, the eviction, especially if there's no communication. And that's key, that
2: that what we've talked about is communicating and making sure, and as I said, there have been some uh, communities who have gone out and knocked on doors. So it's one of those things that just pick up the phone, just send that email, um, and we're definitely working towards... Um, you know, making sure we can get the rental assistance and making sure that um, you know they have a home because that's the goal is to always make sure that our residents have a home and that um, if there's anything we can do that we we do it.
3: And, and unfortunately, there are some worst case scenarios where we have found that some residents have not been impacted at all by the pandemic, but they're still refusing to pay rent because of the moratoriums. And that's that's unfortunate that people are abusing the system.
1: What have discussions, um, what discussions have been had about as we're moving through the summer months, vaccine rollout is becoming more prevalent. Um, The number of folks getting vaccines, the number of businesses reopening, the number of businesses trying to hire um, employees. As we transition into kind of a new era post-COVID, is there any discussion about when the federal moratorium is expected to be lifted? If it will be renewed at, at its designated expiration date now, or how will management companies finally be able to take action against non-payment?
3: Well, we have, on a national level, um, been in court um, from day one, uh, fighting the not necessarily fighting the, the the moratorium as it was done because we don't think the CDC has the jurisdiction to do what they're doing and we've actually won five or six cases in different federal courts. Now obviously that's specific to that specific um, jurisdiction. However the last ruling was blanket. basically it said that it applies it would apply statewide um, nationwide um, in terms of the moratorium was not valid. However, the Justice Department went and got a stay, um, and we're working that through that process right now. Uh, it expires, what, June 30th? It expires June 30th. So, so uh, and, uh, we expire. hope that it does not uh, get renewed, um, but we also hope that we will continue to have rental assistance get on the ground and get out there where those residents who are needing help would get the help that, that they need. Obviously, our, our end goal is not to put anybody out, but to expect that we would be the bearer of the burden of a person's lack of income for the rest of their lives is not, re- not realistic.
1: With regard to uh, the moratorium expiring on June 30th, is there an expectation that there will be a backlog in eviction filings um, f- specifically for residents of properties that fell w- under the CARES Act?
3: Well, well, you, you got the one hitch right now with the CARES Act with a 30-day notice. So that's already going to create kind of a barrier to getting the eviction done because you have to give, whereas prior to the CARES Act...
2: So yeah, so prior to the CARES Act, we were able to notify residents of the um, late letter and say um, you have until we'd give a, a six days in order to cure Um, And due to the CARES Act, we have to give a 30-day, we have to send a 30-day letter. So that late letter is no longer on the 6th of the month. It's the 6th of the next month. So um, that right there is already going to push things back, whereas we were able to get things done in the span of the first 12 to 15 days of the month. um, We're no longer able to do that.
1: And it's expected that you cannot send the um, 30-day non-payment notice letter until the expiration of the CARES Act?
2: Well, you can send the 30-day letter, but you cannot, the CARES Act, um, the moratorium says you cannot set out anyone. So you can send the letter and you can proceed, but you can't set someone out um, until that expires. And of course, you have to have a... A hearing, the judge has to sign off on that. So, um, there in itself is going to add time to it.
1: There has been, and we have focused today on um, the residents' inability uh, to pay rent due to certain circumstances over the pandemic. And we have focused on. Um, kind of the financial status of residents. But what impact financially has the pandemic, particularly the eviction moratorium, had on management companies and owners of uh, the properties?
3: I can't necessarily speak for management companies, but I can speak for some of my smaller independent owners who may only own you know, less than 20, may own like four or five duplexes or maybe a triplex or whatever the case may be. I've got one that I spoke with recently who owns a triplex. Two people are paying fine, one is not. That one person not paying their rent is potentially his mortgage. (laughs) And so it means he's having to pay that mortgage, uh, bear that mortgage on that property until he or she is able to rectify the situation with that particular tenant because you're talking the average rent in Columbia right now is right about $900 a month. Um, so, if your mortgage is nine hundred dollars a month, you are expecting twenty seven hundred dollars of that particular unit to cover your your income and expenses. And you're missing one month's worth of payment from that one renter, then that biz comes back to you as the owner because you still have to make your mortgage. The bank's not going to say, "Whoa, we we understand. We can't. But you can. You don't have to pay today."
1: We've talked a little bit about assistance that is available to the residents um, for financial support. Is there any financial assistance that is available to the management companies or to the owners? Or are they simply having to rely on the residents applying for the assistance so that income, the rental payment, can come in?
2: That is it in a nutshell. They they literally rely on
3: the rental assistance
2: uh, to come in in order to make... Um,
3: Make themselves whole, yes, or as whole as possible,
2: and, and to to not only pay the mortgage but to the upkeep, in um, doing the annual inspections and and things that need to be done as far as taking care of the um of of the property.
3: I mean, for for example, we had a chart where we would share. I wish I would have brought it for every dollar of rent. Only between eight to ten cents of that rent actually goes toward a profit. The rest, taxes, um, upkeep, staff, insurance—all that goes out of the window.
1: Let's shift topics a little bit and talk about other um, other issues that management companies may face um, as they manage certain properties. Um, we have worked with management companies in defending them on premises liability actions um, where someone has, a, a resident has, or guest of a resident has fallen, has tripped and fallen, has slipped and fell on the property. Um, there have been other matters where there is an issue within the apartment um, and incidences occurring because of some alleged defect within the apartment. What are management companies or what are you hearing from management companies from the association level of how they are proactively managing properties to prevent these types of instances from occurring?
2: Well, I will say one of the things that um, most management companies have in place is um, inspections, um, whether it's property inspections, um, inspections. Equipment inspections—it's all done on a um, quarterly, semi-annual, annual basis, um, and that has been something that has helped with being proactive and finding issues that uh, may become uh, a bigger,
3: a bigger issue.
2: So that is put into place, and and most companies do that on a regular basis.
3: So, for example, when you would go in and and change out the Air filters. You would also look around to make sure that everything's like it should be, and if not, then obviously putting together work in order to get fix something that you see that, that may need to be fixed, and being proactive, working.
1: With regard to the landlord tenant act and um, and duties owed by a management company or by the owner of um, the property. Uh, And and going back to eviction actions a little bit, there are other ways or other um, reasons that um, residents can be evicted. Is that something from the association standpoint you help guide the management companies on or are there discussions at the association level of how to handle some of these other matters that may fall under um, uh, the right to evict a resident?
3: Will, I may get calls... um about a particular situation, and what I will oftentimes do is refer them to people like you uh, or one of our law, uh, one of our members who are, uh, we actually have law firms who are members of the association, and we will say, you know, the best thing you can do is, is seek legal counsel so he or she can guide you to the best remedy for your particular situation. While I can give you scenarios from what I heard in the past, at the end of the day, that, that legal. Discussion with a lawyer is going to be your best avenue to to, to play. But then, conversely, I get residents who also call, and we try to guide them as much as possible through the process because I think there should not, I don't believe any of our landlords are not taking care of prior problems, but during the pandemic, for example, if a lot of the general maintenance was not necessarily done But if it was an emergency situation, obviously that was taken care of because, you know, we were unclear on what, you know, COVID-19 really was at the beginning. So now that we have, I guess, passed that, most people are going back to routine work orders being processed in, in a more timely manner versus only emergency type situations being handled.
1: How did management companies handle a um, statewide or, or local level any mask mandate with on the property? Did residents were residents required um, to wear masks in public areas or the general areas of?
3: Well, when the, when COVID first hit, most of the common areas were closed um, to residents, and now we are generally beginning to open back up. Um, With mask requirements, we've obviously bought in sanitation stations and um, wipes and uh, putting down rules, whereas if you use these things, this is the process you need to do once you're through with them so they're ready for the next person. And obviously that person being proactive is going to come back in and probably sanitize it again before they use it. But for the most part, I would probably say... Last pool season, most of the pools were probably still closed or had um, limited the number of guests that could be uh, in the pool. A lot of them restricted it to residents only. Which means if your your sister came over with his or her uh, with her kids, in most part, what's a normal? It's two per two per no. two per apartment. You could bring a guest, but that didn't happen last season probably, we could be less restrictive this season.
2: And it was restricted due to um, the DHEC regulations for the pool limits. So they, based upon your pool deck, square footage, you had a limit of what you could, how many people you could have out there. So by doing that, we had to limit um, the time at the pool, how long you could stay there so that everyone would get an opportunity. So we we followed the uh, guidelines that were given by DHEC. Is the
1: association monitoring any risks that may be associated with opening back up common areas, opening back up pools, and COVID exposure to either residents or guests, and any liability the management companies or owners may face
2: because of COVID exposure? We haven't.
3: No, we really haven't. We
2: haven't. Um, I do know there's legislation for the state of South Carolina that has come down that a public pool... um, that um, there can't be um, litigation at a public pool. Um, So I do know that that is um, there, but as far as us following it, no. Um, Most management companies maintain, um, they sanitize after a certain amount of time the, um, the common areas that are open. So they go through that
3: process. And for the most part, most offices were closed by or by appointment only. Mm-hmm. So you limited the number of people within the office itself. And if you had to come into the office, you had to have an appointment and you had to wear a mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think most people are still requiring that you wear a mask uh, while in the office to both uh, protect their employees as well as protect the resident. I
1: want to touch on uh, increase in housing costs that has, has really hit during the pandemic, um, which I don't think was expected. Have you seen, uh, management companies and and property owners have an increase in residents, um, applying for an apartment or or submitting, um, or requesting, uh, housing, um, at certain, uh, properties?
2: I will say yes. Um, If you uh, noticed all areas of the state, um, occupancy is up over 2020 into 2021. So um, lots of people are buying uh, houses, moving out, and then they're selling, and they're selling very quickly, Um, from my understanding, just seeing uh, what we've seen, the trends that um, the houses are not staying on the market very long. And because they're not staying on the very mar- market very long, um, the residents haven't anticipated that it would sell as quick. So they may not have a house in place or it's finished or things like that. So they're coming to the um, multifamily industry in order to find temporary housing for the, for the time frame, maybe to build or to even find another another home.
1: Well, Donald, Lynette, we appreciate you coming in today and talking to us about what the Apartment Association in South Carolina, which you're hearing from management companies, you're hearing from property owners regarding uh, the effect of the pandemic, as well as addressing um, landlord-tenant issues here in South Carolina.
2: Thank you.
0: We'd like to again thank Lynette Bland, Board President, and Donald Wood, Executive Director for the South Carolina Apartment Association, and we invite you to join us right here for more legal information of interest to South Carolina businesses on the next episode of The Legal Bench. You've been listening to
1: The Legal Bench from the South Carolina defense firm Collins & Lacey. Learn more at
2: CollinsAndLacey.com.